0: Obviously, the folks in his church can't cook very good because he said he had to rename his trash can the spot because people want to know a report. If they made you a dish, they wanted to know how it was, and he said, I had to tell them it hit the spot. (laughs) I haven't had to name my trash can such. Yours hits the right spot. How about that? So... How did we get there? (laughs) I was just killing time. (laughs) All right, I'm excited about this study. We're in about six weeks deep, and Christine's going to recap, but let's pray. Lord, thank you for who you are. This is your Holy Spirit. This is the third part of you, God, and it is your will that we understand and we know and that we don't just feel like. You've actually given us knowledge and told us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and that... We're understanding that, that wisdom is a deeper level of knowledge. It's how to apply the truths into our lives. Thank you for your Holy Spirit, and it is an in-depth thing. And so sad that a gift that you gave has caused so much uh, dissension and, and caused people to take sides that ultimately they believe in you, but we've got to know the truth so we'll know what to believe. We give you praise for helping us discover that so that we can live by it. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Amen. So we don't always teach together, but every once in a while we do a series together. And we weren't going to teach together this week because Pastor's been sick. But praise the Lord, I guess about yesterday morning, he started turning the corner. So I'm so thankful. If
0: anybody's worried, I tested negative. It was actually uh, bronchitis I was getting over from before. So like I said last week, you can actually get a stump toe and it not be COVID. So...
1: So we're jumping into week five of the Holy Spirit series, and just to kind of recap, just to kind of bring it all in, the first week we talked about, and if you've missed any, please listen because this is a built upon teaching, who is the Holy Spirit? Not who we've been taught he is, not who we have been um, maybe brought up, but what does God's word and God's learn, word alone say about who is the Holy Spirit? So we talked about that. Number two, we talked about the purpose of the Holy Spirit. And there were two things we covered, to empower believers for service and to embolden us to witness and share his word, okay? And then the third week, we talked about how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. And the fourth week, we talked about how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. And some of those ways I wanted to recap this morning. And you can go back and listen. This is chalked full of scripture, okay? Because there's no other basis for the truth other than God's word, amen? So he convicts the world of sin. The Holy Spirit dwells in the believer. And I just want to pause there for a minute. Because the Holy Spirit, if you have believed on the name of Jesus Christ, he dwells inside of you. Here are the scriptures. I'm going to rattle them off. So write them down if you want to. Acts 2 and 38. Repent, Peter said to them, and be baptized each of you in the name of Jesus the Messiah for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit at salvation. Um, In Galatians 3 and 2, the Apostle Paul wrote to the Galatians reminding them how they received the Holy Spirit, and he put it in this manner. This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? It's a rhetorical question. You received the Spirit by the hearing of faith, by accepting of the gospel and of Christ. Paul told the Galatians that the Holy Spirit was given to them because they are God's children in Galatians 4 and 6. And because you are children, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Paul wrote the following to the Romans about this, and he said, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. So what does that mean? Let's reverse engineer that. If we belong to Christ, we have the spirit in us, okay? Jude wrote about the nature of unbelievers that they were devoid of the spirit, okay? And then the apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3:16, "Don't you know that you're God's sanctuary and that the spirit of God lives in you. So can we firmly establish that he dwells in the life of the believer? Amen. Amen. Okay, and then the third point was that he testifies that we are his believers. He sets us apart for service. He pours out his love in our hearts. He produces joy. Next slide. He guides believers into all truth. The Holy Spirit gives wisdom and revelation to the believer. He guides in prayer, and he comforts the believer. All of that is backed by Scripture, and it's what we talked about the last two weeks. Today, there is another part of how the Holy Spirit works in our lives, and it's one of my most favorite. And it is, he produces spiritual fruit in the life of the believer. The Holy Spirit is the one that produces the spiritual fruit in our lives, okay? So it's not by our efforts or our will or by our power. Have you ever heard the phrase, the fruit of our labor? Okay, we use that, right? What does that mean? The fruit of our labor is blah, blah, blah. It's the results of our efforts, right? Okay, but the fruit of the Spirit is the result of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. It's the, res- it's the results of the Holy Spirit's efforts through us in our lives. Okay? So it's fruit. It is a process. It's not overnight. Fruit has to ripen, right? Weeds have to be pulled. Things have to be tended to. It's not an over-the-night over the thing that happens. But we hear the Word of God, then we have a choice. We hear the Word, we obey, we choose to live by the word, and we give God control. And it conforms us to his image. That's the whole purpose, is to conform us to his image, to produce his character and the fruit of his very spirit. Okay? So you might hear me talk more this morning because we weren't even sure if John was going to be <laughs> available. So... Um, I just think it's such a powerful tool that we've been given, and it's been given to you. You just have to cultivate it and choose it, and we're going to talk more about that. So let's read um, Galatians 5, 16 through 26. Galatians 5, 16 through 26, and Siri is in agreement. Hallelujah.
0: So I say let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Just think about that one for a second. There's a part of you that's always wanting to do something. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not good. And all the real people said amen. (laughs) So I say let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil. Which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. Can anybody say amen right there? <clears throat> so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. In other words, I want to do this. Paul said that later. He said, I want to do some things that I don't do. Some things that I don't want to do, that's what I end up doing. Didn't Paul say it? Didn't Paul write most of the New Testament? Are we that far from Paul? But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, there is a result that happens. The results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility,
1: one thing about idolatry, it just means putting anything else in the place of God. Even just, I mean, yes, there, is people, there are religions that worship literal idols, but in our, we can go, oh, no, that's not us. If we put anything above the place of God, it's idolatry in our lives.
0: Just As, as we say what it says, the results of the sinful nature are very clear. It gives us this list. As I read this list, I want you to think about it. Think about the stuff that you ingest mentally things that you watch things that you listen to people you're around environments that you're exposed to and you think of how many of those words run clear think of the movies that you've watched I'm telling you this list makes for people will pay to see this list in a movie Mm -hmm. sexual immorality impurity lustful pleasures idolatry Sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. This is the NLT version. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. These are good things. These good things don't just happen on their own. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. And we're going to stop right there with those scriptures and move to some other scriptures. We're going to talk about this point for, for just a minute. I've preached the flesh and the Spirit many, many times to you. The short of that is that this There's a part of you that's always wanting to do something. Your mind is very active. That's why the word says that I have to have my mind renewed. And it doesn't say when, but I can tell you in my experience, it needs to be often. It it needs to be often. It just does. Your mind is a filter, and you're making your choices out of that. And whatever filters through your mind, remember this. When you end up in a place in your life, I've said this A hundred times. When you end up in a place in your life, your mind went there first. Yes, it did. Your mind will arrive at the point of your destiny before you get there. You don't just all of a sudden, how did I end up here? Uh, Gee whiz. Guys, what happened? Like we really say gee whiz anymore, right? Just threw that in there. Leave it to beaver. Good night, I'm not that old. But... So let, me, so let me throw you just something new out there. If you can get these three things in your life, knowing that my flesh wants to do something and my spirit wants to do something. And Paul, who God brought out of deep darkness, changed his life and used him to write most of the New Testament. Most of the instruction from the New Testament came from Paul for us, through Jesus, through, through God, and through the Holy Spirit. Okay? Say these three words. People, environment, and sound. People, environment, and sound. I've given you the flesh and the spirit. I I about wore a hole in that little board back there that I ride on. People, environment, and sound. That's the next thing I would put underneath that. The flesh and the spirit. Follow that up with people, environment, and sound. Knowing that... My flesh wants to do some things, and my spirit wants to do things. My flesh man, my unsaved, I I preached this over. When I got saved, my spirit got saved. i got to believe that. My mind is being saved. That's why it has to be renewed. Let me tell you something about my flesh, and I'll clue it in because it'll, it'll be your flesh too if you'll let it. Your flesh ain't saved. I don't care how many, bodies you, uh, how, many, how many Bible studies you go to, how many podcasts you listen to, your flesh is not saved. Your flesh still remembers everything that you gave it a front row seat to. And there are parts of it that's going to want to go right back to it. Yes. Yes. Just going to tell you. People, environment, and sound. Let me prove something to you right here. You've got to be careful about the people in your life. Your flesh and your spirit are always vying for attention. They're not just vying for attention. They're vying for fulfillment. They don't want just a little bit. They want. It says that, this is what the Bible says about the Spirit of God. And we're talking about the fruit of His Spirit today. But the Spirit of God lusteth to envy over your flesh. It's wanting to dominate. Your flesh, though, is wanting to dominate. And you got to be careful. Now, here's where the believers get in trouble. Well, Pastor John, I was doing this. I was doing this. And they're telling me all the good stuff. And then they slide in one bad thing. Not realizing that that one bad thing, if they had not fed that bad thing, guess what it was doing? Starving. Is a starving person going to eat politely? It ain't going to be like that at all. They're going to get into it real quick. And all of a sudden, a lot of destruction has taken place. You've got to be aware of those things. People, environment, and sounds. There are people that you get around. If you're not careful, those aren't the people like the people you're sitting beside right now. And they'll pull out of you your spirit man or your flesh man. When it gets quiet this way, this time I know everybody's listening. There are environments that you can get around. There's an environment this morning when that worship is going, I, I want to get in it, I want to dance. There are other environments I might want to do a different dance than I show you all on Sunday. Well, we went to the beach was at the gas station and, and somebody was playing some loud music beside us and my little daughter, she took my little married daughter with her big old husband and little bitty baby. She got her little phone and, and, and videoed her dad because I was, I let him see what old John was for just a second. It was a flash, too. I'm telling you, now all of a sudden I saw that phone. I was like, oops.
1: <laughs> right there at the gas
0: pump. You ain't, never seen, that. You ain't <laughs> never seen that at church. I'm just telling you, there are environments that'll pull on you, right? There are sounds that will pull on you. You're the arbitrator of that. You're the one who gets to decide what people stay in my life, what environments I put myself in for the most part, and the sounds that I hear. A lot of that you can control. Some of it you can't. I understand that. Those things that you can't control, those are especially the places that you need to renew your mind. But let, let me tell you where, where we obey the Scripture, but we, we, we get behind. This is revelation just hit me. This is where we get behind in obeying the Scripture. The flesh comes to us, talks us into it, because we really wanted to do it anyway. We go do it, and then after we get done, we feel so bad about it. Then we renew our mind. Oh. Oh, oh. That was good. I'm going to turn it over to you. I'm going to leave it alone after. I don't have anything to add to that.
1: One thing I will say to that is spirits look for agreement. Mm. Your flesh is going to look for a flesh that agrees with it. If you ever get um, people in a room, the complainers will find each other. Yep. The partiers will find each other. Why? Because they say, hey, I'm a partier. Hey, I'm a complainer. Come on, no, bring because they're to today, the clubbers. <laughs> Their spirits agree and they. Look for agreement and find agreement. So when someone comes, let them be agreeing with the spirit that's alive inside of us. Amen? Amen. 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 Because that spirit looks for agreement as well. So we're talking about this living by the spirit's power. We just determine how important it is between the flesh and the spirit, that battle. Just so, more thing
0: there. It's going to be real easy to do, the fle- to, to do the spirit things on Sunday. Today's the easy day. But it's not just for today. And according to this scripture where it says, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives, that includes the two hours that we go to church on Sunday. But not just the two hours that we go to church on Sunday. It's the whole week. According to this, it's possible for it. Not just possible, it's necessary.
1: Absolutely. And here's the beautiful thing about it is... This feels a little daunting, like, whoa, but let, let me tell you, the Spirit of Christ lives inside of you. And these fruit, this fruit that we're getting ready to talk about, it's already residing in you because it's born of Him. We don't have to beg and ask God for these things. They are in us because His Spirit is in us, so we just have to choose them. We just have to be aware of them. We just have to know what they are, okay? So, when we're talking about overcoming the flesh, when we're talking about um, living in the Spirit, the way we do that is the fruit of the Spirit. Okay, So the first fruit of the Spirit we're going to talk about is love. You want to hit this? Yeah.
0: There are several words for love in the Greek. We, we usually recognize one thing, but there's eros, phileo, storge agape agape is unconditional godly love storge is family type of love phileo is friendship or brotherly love eros is physical sexual even destructive types of love um included is that why would you say destructive well some things in order for you to receive the satisfaction from you've got to uh destruction has to take place you like food right what has to happen for you to have food? It either has to be harvested or, or killed or butchered. And then you put it in, cooked and put in your mouth and your teeth utterly destroy it. And at the end, you sit back at that meal and go, oh, that was good. And don't not even think about all the carnage that just took place. Well, add that to erotic love. How that type of carnage can take place. At the end, someone is satisfied, but it's short-lived and they don't even realize all the Destruction had to take place.
1: This love is agape love. And what it means is an undefeatable love that always seeks the highest of the other, no matter what he or she does. Who does that sound like?
0: Mm.
1: Doesn't that sound like Jesus? Mm. That's the kind of love that he wants us to have for each other, for our spouses, for our children, for the body of Christ. What else is love? Love is the self-giving love that gives freely without asking anything in return. That speaks to motive. Love is love because it's love and it comes and it's not motivated by what I can get in return. It does not consider the worth of its recipient. Whoo! again, who does that sound like? Jesus, who does that not sound like? Us. <laughs> but God... Put this available to us. This kind of love available to us. We don't consider the worth of the recipient. We just have the love of Christ, and that is agape love. Okay, the second fruit that the Holy Spirit uh, produces in us when we live according to the Spirit is joy. The joy to uh, here, the, the joy here is 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 referred to as something deeper than mere happiness. Okay. Happiness really has nothing to do with joy. Nothing.
0: Speak to why people get that confused where they they say, well, I just want you to be happy. You should just be happy.
1: Ooh, yeah. Um, Christians
0: get caught up in that.
1: Christians get caught up in this. So um, we just want you to be happy, so make really bad choices because that's what makes you happy. When God doesn't really care if you're happy, he wants you to be holy. He wants you to be set apart for Don't him. Don't worry. It doesn't mean that our holiness can't be make happy. us happy. But, it, but the holiness makes us happy because we're full of joy. That's why. We can still be happy and have joy, but I can tell you, you can be crying your eyes out and be miserable in the trial of your life and still have joy because it is not dependent upon your circumstances. It's more stable, praise God than the worldly happiness which is emotional and it vacillates. The reason it vacillates is because our circumstances vacillate. Our emotions vacillate. Our mind changes. We change our mind. We change how we feel about things. I mean, even the same situation, you can feel a different way about it on a different day. Normally, something that wouldn't get on your nerves gets on your nerves that day. Why? Because our feelings are unstable. They are not the predictor of our faith. They are not the predictor of our peace. They are not the predictor of our joy. You need to take your feelings and take them out of the equation. They vacillate too much. God gave them to us for a reason, but it's not for this, to make big decisions. I just feel like this, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving this situation because I just, you know, I just, well, God wants you to be happy, so of course if you're miserable, that's what you should do. N-O, you need to know what God's word says about it and make sure that you're not chasing after a fleeting feeling that can vacillate and will vacillate anyway. Yeah, not, so,
0: not to mention that we can falsely label that happiness as, uh, I don't want to hang around in this because it doesn't make me feel happy, but it's actually the consequences of a bad choice that we made over here. Yes. No wonder we don't want to deal with it. It makes me have to deal with the bad choice that I made, this consequence. Mm-hmm. So to avoid all that, I look for a new happiness so I don't have to deal with any of that. Does that make sense? Yes.
1: So, this doesn't mean that a person doesn't experience sadness when we experience the death of a loved one or financial struggle or hurtful actions of other people or painful life experiences. but underlying those emotions is the sure knowledge that God is our Savior, He is our strength, He is our help, and He is our provider. That's what it is. It's an anchor. And we've talked about the picture in the world of an anchor is down, but our picture of being anchored is into the kingdom. We are anchored up into who Christ is and to what He has promised us.
0: Let me just throw one more thing in there right there. That, you could take a smile... So. The point right here is maturity. You can take a child who's losing it, just falling apart, and put a sucker down in front of them, and all of a sudden everything changes, and the world's all good again. And they're back to their senses, and a, and the tears are still on their faces, but they've forgotten all about the tear because they're getting the sugar, right? And, and, and we, we do things to pacify our children. God's not going to give you this little sprinkle of fairy dust to pacify you when you're hitting a hard time. Sometimes we got to walk the thing out so we can find out what was on the other side. The reason we went through. Understanding that the Scripture is true. All things work together. We don't like the work together of it. We don't even like the all things. We want certain things to work together. And we'll help God out on that list of certain things that will make things better. Right?
1: Okay. Yes. So the third fruit is peace. Boy, do we need this in our world today, and do we need to be ambassadors of this in our world. And boy, does the church struggle with this. Again, we have to get past our feelings. We have to get out of our feelings and get in. You don't have to ask and beg and plead with God, give me your peace, give me your... It's like a child pitching a tantrum. You don't have to do that. It's inside of you because the Holy Spirit's inside of you. It's a, it's a blessing. It's a choice that you have to make. You have to know the word. You have to choose peace. Okay, so peace is the result of resting, Resting in relationship with God. Resting in your relationship with God. When Michaela was a tiny baby, we had an accident. Well, she was two at our house. And she fell and she she busted her head open. And I remember calling John at the um, at his office and I said, I think you need to come home. I think he may have thought, oh, this is her first, you know, she's probably overreacting. And he came home from the office, he took one look and he said, oh, let's go to the emergency room because you could see her bone in her head. So my sweet little baby was just beside herself, and it tore my nerves up. And she was just flailing and screaming and crying, and the doctor could not even get close to her head because she would block him. She, hit, you know, she is like a little boxer, just like mm, yeah, right. You know, she was terrified. So finally, we were able to hold her arms down and and talk her through to tell her. Um, it will be over. He's gonna, so you won't feel it, and then it will be over. When her hands came down by her side, he was able to step in, fix what was broken. She didn't feel it um, because he had taken the precautions to numb it, and then the healing could begin to take place. And I thought, what a beautiful picture that we do. When we're in pain, we don't even maybe realize it, but we strive and we God's trying to get in there as the great physician to heal us and to bring um to bring the healing balm, to bring stitches, to come into us and to to begin a work in us, but we just keep flailing. We and and he understands, he understands our humanness. Okay?
0: Even though there was process that had to happen, she had to get the stitches. I remember holding her. I remember her little face right there. I've been in some interesting places. I've been in I've been in operating rooms. You've been in operating rooms. We've had dire straits with Kinsey, when when the only comfort she had was her mom or her dad. That's the clinging though that we do. Even though a process has to take place, our, when our heavenly Father is there to hold us, we relax into him. So so the the absence of conflict. Peace is not just the absence of conflict. Our example is from him though, yeah. not the world. Let me give you a world example right now. The Korean War, the K- Korean conflict. 1950, 1953. North Korea invaded South Korea. Do you understand that, that has never uh, they've they've never had a, a, a peace treaty over that? 1953, July, I think is 27th, they they finally came to an armistice agreement that they would just stop killing each other is basically what it came to. We're just going to stop killing each other. And with, within uh, 12 hours, there was a two-kilometer, mile-and-a-half or so distance of a line that they began to recognize. You stay there, and we'll stay here, and we just won't kill each other. But they, even at that armistice, South Korea didn't even shy, show up to sign the papers. And in 2013, North Korea said, it's as if it never happened to us. We don't recognize anything about that agreement. They're still ready to kill each other, just cross line. That's not the, that's not the picture that we have with God.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah, the, the absence of conflict does not denote peace, right? We can see that in that example. So it's not merely the absence of conflict. It is a resting in a relationship with God. It is the confidence in God's character, not in what you see, not in what you experience, but it's the confidence that no matter what you experience, you are confident of the God that you serve and his character and his word, and that it's true. And you live your place, you live your life from that perspective. When a person is dominated by peace, there's that calm inner stability that results in the ability for us to conduct ourselves peacefully even in the midst of circumstances that would normally be traumatic. I know some of you have experienced that before, where how in the world are you getting through that? How did you make it through that painful divorce? How did you make it through cancer and that sickness and whatever the situation is? Because people can't understand it because it's a peace that passes understanding because it comes from God. So Jesus is described as the Prince of Peace, who brings peace to the hearts of those that desire it. And so Jesus said to his disciples in John 14 and 27, these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. He was talking about leaving and releasing the gift of the Holy Spirit to people. This is what he says. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all the things that I have said to you. Peace. I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Then in Isaiah 26 and 3, it says, You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. So we understand that this peace is a peace that he left with us when he gave us the helper, the Holy Spirit. Okay? Next is... Patience. The Greek word for patience relates to two words that mean long and passion. Okay? Um, um, Again, it's the Greek for two words, long and passion. And we're going to talk about those two words. I want John to give an example here, if you would, babe. Um, But basically, a good definition for patience um, that you can find is In the scripture, and and how it's interpreted, is a man who could avenge himself but does not. The word denotes lenience, forbearance, fortitude, endurance, and long suffering. It's also the ability to endure persecution and ill treatment. It describes a person who has the power to exercise revenge but practices restraint. Can you talk about that for just
0: a moment? There's a word also that's interpreted different, this meekness, meekness. Um, People mistake meekness for a word that sounds just like it, weakness. I can tell you it's the complete opposite of weakness, meekness. A man who could avenge himself but decides not to. Have you ever seen the the bit that, that goes in a horse's mouth, a bit on a bridle? What's it made out of? Most of the time it's made out of metal. metal. you ever taken a piece of metal and put it in your mouth and clanked it against your teeth? No fun. I can only imagine. Has, has anybody ever ridden a horse and heard that bit? Mm-hmm. Heard that bit clank around against those teeth? Mm-hmm. It doesn't take that horse long to learn to obey that bit in his mouth. Now the, the picture of meekness or patience... It is the picture of a Roman war stallion dressed in armor for battle. Have you ever seen how horses in the summertime their coat is very thin, and especially in the northern states, their 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 coat can get very long. But in the summertime is their most beautiful time because you can see every, I mean, it's just thin hair. Because of the heat. They, you can see every muscle and sinew in them flex. You, have you ever seen that in, a, in an animal? And it's, it's just amazing. So the picture that they had was that of, of, a, of a war stallion. They, they didn't have um, what you may think of today, what you equate uh, strength to. But, but what they had was a war stallion. And that war stallion is dressed for battle snorting, ready to go, and every muscle and sinew just rippling in his body, yet held back by a little bit. That's the picture that we're supposed to have. It's it's, it's not weakness at all. Give the charge and it'll go. But sound the alarm and it will go. But here's the alarm and we're going to get to that in a second. We don't get to decide about that alarm when to call it. Has anybody ever wanted to call it? Anybody ever called it and you knew you shouldn't have? <laughs> Hallelujah. My little mama. You did that. You probably did that on me, didn't you, when I was about 12 years old. You sounded the you <laughs> alarm on my hide, didn't you? You looked like a war stallion coming at me with that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Those two Greek words, long and passion, it kind of reminds you, patience, of having a long fuse of having a fuse so long that it burns out before it explodes that's what patience is it's not that you don't feel it it's not but it is the ca- capacity to hold up under it with a fortitude that resists weariness and defeat most people are not patient because they don't make they don't require themselves to be however i feel is how i feel and this is how it's going to be and and they don't The fruit of the Spirit that is lacking in your life, if you're not circumspect and you can't let that thing, it lit. Okay, so what? What does that mean? Well, it's lit now. It's lit. No, it can burn out by the power of the Holy Spirit before you explode.
0: That's the changing power in us. And as believers, we've got to get to that place. It's not right. Uh, Probably I could tell a story. We could all tell a story where somebody said, well, you know them. That's just how they are. Well, there's a way that they are on Sundays. Why can't you be that way all the time? Do you you understand when the Bible says that, um, how's it put it? It says that the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. What that means is that he can control it. You can control the spirit in you. You you can control a good spirit. You can control a bad spirit. And, And when you become... His, and his spirit produces fruit in you that reflects him, not you.
1: That's it. And the, the thing about that, he knew he made us all different. He knew he gave us all different personalities. But this isn't patience for the people that I wired that way. Yeah, right. Patience for the people that it comes easy to. It's patience for my believers, my people, because we're being conformed to the image of Christ. It is sacrificial for some of us to be patient. And it is, a, it is a work of the Holy Spirit in us, conforming us. That's why we are all supposed to be looking the same, because he's the same, his spirit is the same, his character's the same, and he is reflected through us. So, patience Letting that long passion burn out before it takes over. We need to keep moving along. Is this helping anybody? Amen. Okay, so the scripture for that is Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Again, that's to all of us. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love, the agape love that we just talked about that doesn't determine whether someone's worth it or not. Okay? Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there's one body, one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. Again, that's it. There's one body. There's one spirit. So we as the body, by the one spirit, produce these fruits. End of story. End of story. And he wants all of them active in our life. Is it a process? Of course it is. Do we need to be patient with each other when someone's fruit is like, ooh, that's bitter, ooh. I really needed Ryan to be patient with me this morning. And he really needed me to be kind, and I wasn't. Or I, that's, that didn't really happen at all. I'm just using that as an example. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, get over it. We're a work in progress. We are a body of Christ that's learning to walk in these fruits, right? So, um, the next kindness, kindness. Kindness is acting for the good of people regardless of what they do or if I deem them worthy. Again, again, again. This is the example of Christ. Kindness is doing something and not expecting anything in return. I love this. Kindness is goodness in action, sweetness of disposition, gentleness in dealing with others, and benevolence. Kindness is gentleness in dealing with others. Being adaptable to others rather than harshly requiring everyone to adapt to my needs and my desires. When kindness is working in me, I seek to become adaptable to the needs of those around me. Let me say that again, because this is applicable to every one of us in this room. Rather than harshly require everyone else to adapt to my needs and desires, when kindness is working in me, I seek to become adaptable to the needs of those around me. If we're all doing that, guess whose needs are getting met? Everyone's. Everyone's.
0: And when we don't do that, that's when things get tight. Right. Right.
1: The Holy Spirit removes abrasive qualities from my character as I obey his word and I submit to his control. Okay. Colossians 3 and 12 says, since God chose you to be holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So We have an action that we have to do. We have to choose it. That's where the choosing comes. It's available to us, right? But we have to clothe ourselves. We have to put it on. We have to choose it. It's not natural to me. Well, that's why the Holy Spirit is alive inside of you, because he is what gives it and enables it anyway. So since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself in these things tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You must is what it says. You may, you can, you will if you want to. You must as we are being conformed to the image of Christ. I must practice these things. Goodness. Goodness is moral excellence or virtue it's kindness, generosity, and joy in being good. But this is my favorite definition of goodness. It's the best part of anything. It's the essence and the strength of something. Okay, So the goodness of something is the goody of it. The goodness of, um, of a Krispy Kreme donut is that cream inside. That's the good. You can bite the outside. Okay, that's good. But when that cream hits your mouth, mm, that's the goody of it, right? That white cream just oozes through your teeth and puts you, like you so should not have that much sugar, but it's so good. The goody of it, the goodness of it, the essence, the strength of it, that's what God calls us to be, the essence and the strength of Jesus
0: Christ. Just real quick, we were coming back from a men's camping trip one time at the end of the summer and into the fall, and all of a sudden there was this aroma. We were going through an apple orchard, and they were pressing apples. Some of you guys remember that? We went in and bought fresh pressed apple. You saw it in the wood press just coming and oozing out. But as soon as you, you got in the area, you just smelled it everywhere. It's because something was being crushed that that crushing produced an essence. So... This doesn't just happen like, oh, essence, there may be some crushing that takes place in your old reaction. But what's reproofs, what, what is produced out of that is an essence that people can say, I need that. I, I need that. When
1: someone steps on us, when someone doesn't give us their best, what's the best part that can come out of us but the essence of Christ? Okay. That's where we but, get...
0: Um, Perfumes from is crushing essence.
1: And it's not weakness, you guys. This is way harder to do yeah. than just being impatient and unkind, and that's easy. That's just our flesh just firing off. This is the way process, it knows to fire off.
0: This process produces something better than just the thing.
1: So it's the best part of anything—the essence of and the strength—and God wants the goodness in us to be His goodness, the best part of Christ. 2 Thessalonians 2, 11 and 12. This was in a letter to the um, church at Thessalonica from Paul and Silas and Timothy. All three of them poured into this letter to, to um, this church, and here's what they said. So we keep on praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. We've heard that before, right? We need to live a life worthy of his call, and we, we, he's praying for them because he knows this is not second nature and it's not easy. May he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. How many of you are prompted by your faith to do good things, but you need the power to do it? Then the name of our Lord Jesus will be honored because of the way you live, and you will be honored along with him. This is all made possible because of the grace of our God and Lord Jesus Christ. That's the crux of the whole thing. These things are not possible for you to do in your own flesh and in your own strength. Right there. This is all made possible because of the grace of our God and Lord Jesus Christ. He knew we couldn't do it. He left his spirit to dwell inside of us by his grace. By his grace. Okay? Faithfulness. Faithfulness is committing oneself to something or to someone. You're getting ready to faithfully commit your lives to each other, Aaron and Ts. Faithfully commit yourself to something, to marriage, and to someone, to each other. There's a com- combined dependability and trust involved in that, correct? I depend on him. I trust him with my heart. I trust him with my life. I trust him with our family. There's a dependability and a trust involved in faithfulness. And this requires our personal resolve not to wander away from our commitments or our promises. Amen? Faithfulness. Faithfulness is being persuaded, being persuaded. Um, the core meaning of faith is divine persuasion, right? It's received from God. It's never generated by man, but we are persuaded that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. And that is the crux of our faith. Second Thessalonians 1 and 4, again, this is Paul, Silas, and Timothy to this church we proudly tell God's other churches about your endurance and faithfulness and all the persecutions and hardships you were suffering. So because they were persuaded and their faith went before them, then what happened is they received accolades. Not only did God but they did. We've been telling other, God's other churches about your endurance and your faithfulness in all persecutions, hardships, and suffering. So not only did God see it, not only did God's men see it, but then they're telling them, we see you. We see. We see that you're faithful, okay? So faithfulness is is refusing to give up. So many Christians just get to a place, and it's too hard, and it's too much, and it's it, I didn't think it was going to be this way. And just like in marriages, right, sometimes people want to cut loose when it's really just being faithful in that moment. I'm not, if you've ever been divorced, I'm not saying there aren't biblical reasons for that. No question about that. I'm just saying in marriage, if you're, if you're married, raise your hand. Have you ever been like, like, woo? this is hard? Keep your hand raised. <laughs> Faithfulness, okay? Faithful. I'm raising my hand, babe, but it's probably more my fault than yours. The <laughs> other word is
0: perseverance. It's yeah. just—it just simply means this: stop quitting. Stop quitting. Yeah. Stop quitting. Yeah. At some point.
1: Yes. See it through to fruition. Be faithful. Hunker down, okay? As we used to say in the good old days: hunker down and get it done. You know, be faithful. Okay, gentleness, gentleness. This word is best translated meekness, which we've already talked about. Power and strength under control. The person who possesses this quality pardons injuries, corrects his faults, and rules his own spirit well. Wow, that's a lot. Gentleness. Gentleness is not man be pambi. You can still be a man's man, guys, and be gentle. Okay, you can still be tough and everything that God made you to be, but there's a gentleness in your spirit. And this is what it is you, you're quick to pardon injuries. You don't, people don't have to tiptoe around you and worry that they're going to offend you and hurt you at every step. You pardon. Hey, it's all right. Pardon injuries. Forgiveness comes easily from you.
0: This actually gives you the list of, of where to make a stand. If you think about it, I'm going to make a stand here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be this kind of guy. I'm going to be tough. People are going to think this about me. I'm going to roll my sleeves up, you know, whatever. This gives you the list of things that you need to under. This is where I make my stand. These are the things that matter. These are the, if I make my stand in this area, the rest of it.
1: And women, too. I'm self-sufficient. I'm dependent. I don't need a man. You need a man. You need one. You need him. You need God.
0: You and if need that man's beating on you, you need two men and a truck. <laughs> Some of you just got it. You'll get it later.
1: <laughs> we rule, when we, when we allow gentleness to reign, we, we are able to rule our own spirits well. Philippians 4 and 5 says, Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. And you know what the Lord is near means? He's coming back soon. That's what it means. So let your gentleness, let the fact that you can um, pardon injuries, correct your own faults, and manage your spirit well, let that be evident to all because Jesus is coming back soon. Okay? That's basically what that means. Self-control. John, I'm going to let you speak to this one.
0: Real quick, control yourself. I used to make the joke. We we preached this long series on that. And I had the whole church say, what does self-control mean in the Greek? Control yourself. That was the joke of it. But the truth of it, it's real simple. You have to be the arbitrator of that. And you control yourself. And you can. The proof that you're not going crazy on everybody that passes you by is proof that you can control it. There are... Dogs, if you walk by their yard, they're gonna bark at you from the time you hit this corner of their fence till you get to that. And it doesn't matter who you are; everybody's gonna get the same tra- treatment because they can't control it. But you're not a dog, and you can control it. And, and and the this this calls for us to. Let me just read one more time the, the whole list: love, joy, peace, long suffering. Now this is just a different translation. Kindness. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Where we get into trouble is thinking that, that hey, I, I was really kind today. I, I was really kind till that person got on my nerves and I didn't have any self-control. You're bragging on the fruit of the Spirit in your life when one area, you're doing okay, you're doing good here. You're making an A here, but you made an F over here. That's why it doesn't say the fruits of the Spirit. It says the fruit, and it gives nine different things. You ever see, seen a fruit basket that's got bananas, apples, strawberries, all that good stuff in it? Nine, say nine different fruits. We well, don't see the banana jumping in us and, I'm saying, hey, I'm a banana. No, he's in the bowl. He's in the, the, the thing is that we, we in, a, in order to fulfill this reflection of, of God in our lives it's it takes all of them the the proof is that you can't have eight of those that you're just knocking it out of the park on it, and one of them you're doing poorly, and someone recognized you as man they they remind me of Jesus, especially when they got mad and punched me in the nose i just I was like I was in the presence of the Lord right then How ridiculous would that be it, There's always room for improvement. Every one of us. You know that we are as Christians, Christian means Christ-like. That means that we are like Him. Don't get it twisted. We never become Him. We are never Him. There's always room for improvement. But we are to be continually trying to be like Him. And
1: one thing, too, we have to realize, these fruits are about us. They're not about anybody else. Not about your mom, not about your dad, not about your family, your sister, your spouse, your cousin, anybody. They're about us. So we don't get to impose this on others, but we do have to self-reflect. If he does something to to agitate me or even hurt me, it's my decision whether I lose control or not. He didn't make me do it. He agitated the situation, or, or I perceived he did, but my control is my responsibility. He's not going to make me do anything. I will consciously choose to lose my mind or to <laughs> and we will not always choose well, okay? Our flesh, right? We're but that's where that self-control comes in where we're quick to apologize and own our faults, right? So, self-control is having a strong mastery of something. And it's the ability to control our thoughts and our actions, our own thoughts and our own actions. Nobody's gonna make you do anything. They'll give you the opportunity. There'll be plenty of opportunities, right? To well they made me do that. They know how to punch my buttons. Well, choose self-control.
0: Yeah, so last choose a fruit. Choose a fruit. I wanted I wanted strawberries so bad last night. I went to two grocery stores, had my mom with me. One of them was out of strawberries. I was even going to pay the organic markup. I didn't care. I wanted some strawberries. They were out of them. I couldn't purchase any. We went to another grocery store. They had them, but guess what? Them suckers were getting... Sorry, I shouldn't said suckers. <laughs> in church. They were... They were <laughs> sorry, my mom's sitting right there. I say it in front of y'all all the time. They, they, those strawberries were getting this white mold on them. Yeah, that hairy... I'm like, somebody, every box. I'm like, somebody, I need a fruit manager over here. Well, what if they come to church looking for the fruit of the Spirit? This church ain't got none. Or this church has got some, but it's got this white hairy mold all over it. Who's going to want that? Who's going to want The thing about fruit, because we can rule somebody to never want to come back here. If you ever grew up in a church that had a whole lot of rules, there's a reason that as people got older, they found the door. But people can eat your fruit. And you give them the fruit of the Spirit. There's something about that because that is Him not just living inside of you, alive inside of you. There's something about that that they can digest. Amen.
1: Proverbs 25 and 28 says this. It's a strong word. A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. Goes. Wow. You know what that means? It means you have no boundaries. You have nothing to protect what's inside, and you have nothing to prevent what's outside from coming in. If you don't have self-control, you're like a broken down, you're like a city with broken down walls. There are precious things in your city. There are family members, and and, in a city like this is like a city with broken down walls. That means that it's vulnerable to pillaging, right? So the Lord takes it seriously, our self-control. And this is what I love about Jesus. He never leaves us just to fix it ourselves, because we can't. We don't have the ability. So here's what he says. Jesus himself said this in John 15 and 5. And he said this to his disciples, I am the vine, you are the branches. I'm the source, you're the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. That makes me want to cry. I can do nothing. This is not, I'm not capable of one of these things apart from him. Uh, he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. But if you remain in me, you may, you could, you might if I like you, you will produce much fruit. So let our prayer be this morning that we remain in him. How do we remain in him? We remain in him by being in his word, by meditating on his word, by putting ourselves socially, and with what we listen to, and what we put into our mind, in the mind of Christ, in our environments, in our speech, all of those things. That's how we abide in him. We turn off the things that feed the flesh, we amp up the things that feed the spirit, and we abide in him. Then we will produce much fruit. Let's pray.
0: Father, thank you for your word. It's always right here for us. God, we consume it today. We we, we break it off. It's it's very, your fruit is very low-hanging for us. We're learning about it. We're studying it. We're seeing it. We're experiencing it. I believe that we're tasting it today. God, let our fruit that's inside of us, that you've placed there when you saved us, let it always be ripe. Let us learn for it to stay ripe, for it to, to always be something that can be consumed by others through us. Because that will reflect yes. you. And it will keep the reflection of us. And Therefore, just doing damage. God, you've touched us. You've come into our lives. You've changed us. And we're always going to be in process. We're thankful for that. God, you will help us with the process. Right now, will you just say, God, help me with that process? Help me with that process. If there are places where my fruit is bruised or the, there's fruit in, in me that has become sour, it's not, not appealing, God, change that in me. God, I, I, I know that this list of nine, there, there's some of them I feel like I'm doing okay in, but there's others that need improvement. God, help us not to have pride. Help us, help us not to hold on to something in our life. Say, I won't budge from that. I won't move in that. I won't do that. that, I'm I'm not doing that. God, let us reflect you. You're only going to change us for the better. Thank you for that, God. You're so good to us. We love you. We trust you. We're grateful for you. Let the essence, the very essence, the very best part of a good thing, let it be displayed in our lives. And when we come here together, God, let it overflow out of us. Let it be a witness and a testimony, not of us, but of you living inside of us. We give you praise for it, God.
1: Would you just stand, if you would? Just take a moment. Just stand. I just really believe that we need to just take a minute of personal introspection, ask the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you to speak to you right now. We don't need music. We don't need soft, nothing. We just Holy Spirit doesn't need atmosphere. He just needs a willing heart. So would you just search your heart as we stand here in his presence for just a few minutes and let him lovingly show you where he wants to bring change in your heart.
0: Thank you, Jesus. Lord, as we, as we search our heart, in our human state, it's also capable for us to give ourselves a pass. So, Father, you search our heart. You show us what needs to be overturned in our lives. It can be fixed, Lord. Show us in Jesus' name. We give you praise for it.